0: Well, it's good to be meeting again. Who missed church last Sunday? Yeah, yeah. I was, I was. I have to say, I was a bit let down last Sunday because uh, leading up to last Sunday, I, um, Pastor Mike likes to start the year big, so we had some guest speakers. We have, you know, so so I'd rung all these people all week. I must have rung ninety people or more through that week, and I reckon we had about one hundred and forty people all saying yes, New Year, back in church, come, and then there was no church service. And I thought, oh, Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you? Doing? And so here we are. This is just the reality of life at the moment, and that's okay. Jesus is still on the throne, and so we'll walk through what we've got with what we've got, and we'll enjoy him and celebrate him. And, and I do feel like I've got a word from God for us this morning. And uh, we were in the prayer meeting yesterday, and uh, someone starts prophesying my sermon. And I'm going, stop, stop, stop. It's tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. We're going to have it tomorrow. So no, so it's okay. So so Pastor Matt Hine would have loved to have been here today, but it just didn't work out. So through the week, the church was waiting and watching, saying, you know, will they reduce, you know, Brisbane from a hot spot because he was down the Gold Coast? Will he be able to come in? Will he be able to get back to Victoria without having two weeks in quarantine? And it just didn't come together. So, uh, so it's a shame we haven't got him. But I'm a bit excited because I do really feel like I've got a word from God this morning that... I was really hoping I'd get an opportunity in the beginning of the year to share. So, so here it is. There you go, guys. And uh, just a bit of housekeeping. Thank you for all wearing your masks. I know it's a bit of a pain. And uh, basically the rule is, if you're up doing something like this, you don't have to have a mask. Um, if you're seated at the table, so waiting for your tea and coffee, that sort of thing, you don't have to have a mask. But basically all the rest of the time, um, if you're singing or if you're um, standing up, talking to people, that sort of thing, We're requested to have the mask on in those times. So thank you for your cooperation with that. That's great. Okay. He came to seek and save the lost. You know, that's true. He came to seek and save the lost. That's his heart. It's never changed. It's never stopped. And don't don't you love those out there stories about people who've had that encounter with Jesus, who, you know who you can only say, here he is, the shepherd, coming and seeking and save the, saving the lost. And so a friend of mine, I won't tell you his name, but he's got just that sort of story. And so I asked him if I could share that this morning. And um, this friend of mine, I've probably known him for about 10 years. So about 10 years ago, when Pastor Mark was first in the church, he came and asked me if I would just spend time with this person. He was going through some difficulties at the time. And um, so, of course, I said, yep, so we had coffee down at um, coffee club I think it was on that occasion and basically ever since that moment we've spoken at least every week whether in person or by phone or whatever and he's become quite a close friend and he's got this amazing story he uh, he he grew up in a foster home so um, you know doesn't know his dad's name knows nothing about his father Um, all he knew about his mum was his mum's name and the birth name that his mum had given him and uh, as he grew up, and I guess it's probably not unusual for someone who's growing up in those kind of cir- circumstances, when he hit his young adult years, he started on a self-destructive pathway of life and uh, got into all sorts of things that were never going to lead to anything good. And it, it culminated in this moment, and it was, it was shortly after his young wife had died, and uh, it culminated in some circumstances where he found himself in um, a shopping centre car park, and he'd parked up in a dark corner of the, of the shopping centre car park, and uh, I hope this detail's okay, but he'd actually put the exhaust pipe, he'd got a tube and put the exhaust pipe into his car. And, um, um, you know, basically saying, this is too hard, it's hopeless, there's, uh, th- there's no hope here, this isn't worth doing. And some people came along, and they saw what was happening, they saw him there, they saw what was happening. <laughs> And they ran away. They didn't even get help. And of course, that just confirmed to him what was happening. And so in his heart, he's saying, look, they don't care. No one cares about me. Sorry. And he felt his hand come on his shoulder. And his voice said to him, I care for you. And of course, it was God. And that started his journey then with God. So he came to seek and save the lost. And it doesn't matter how lost. He's come to seek and save the lost. So this morning, we're going to have a little look at the story. Not of that person, but of someone in the Bible who was equally lost. Who was equally a mess. Who Jesus comes along and says, you. And so you probably know who we're talking about now. Yeah, it was Zacchaeus. We're going to look at the story of Zacchaeus. So, so let's read it. Zacchaeus, the tax collector. So that's not a good start. He probably wasn't a particularly popular person, one would assume. Jesus entered Jericho and passed through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. So remember that detail later. He was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was a short, He could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's going to be with the guest of a sinner? Really? But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord. Here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. (laughs) And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son. In this case, a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. God never stops looking for his lost Sons and daughters. The scripture's full of pictures, you know, the prodigal son. It's full of full of pictures of God the shepherd. It's who he is. He can't he just can't help himself. It's who he is, it's how he's wired. It's it's what he does, it's how he thinks. So God has always been this way. He's always been the shepherd that pursues the lost sheep. So let's have a read of some scriptures. And there's so many. Old Testament, New Testament. This is Ezekiel 32, verse 11. It says, For this is what the sovereign Lord says I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they've been scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. Have you got any friends? Do you know anyone in the community who's been scattered? You know, who's been through a time? of clouds and darkness, who's in a place where they're lost. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries. I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them with a good pasture, and the, heights, the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land." And there they will feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. And of course, Jesus himself took this title for himself. and said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Micah, prophetically talking about Jesus, he said, He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. Um, Another Old Testament scripture, Isaiah 40. He tends his flock. I, I do like this one. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. This is personal for God. This shepherding is personal. He carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Now may the God of peace, oh this is Hebrews, back to the New Testament. May the God of peace who brought us up, our Lord Jesus Christ, from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, Through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. It's just who he is. He can't help himself. He's a great shepherd who comes to seek and save the lost. And so here we are in Redcliffe you know when he lost in Redcliffe? He's come to seek and save the lost. He's come to seek and save the lost. That's what he's done. So he's interested in the people of Redcliffe. Um, towards the end of last year, uh, I spent some time. I, I spent about two months through, through October, November fasting. And I just reached a point of frustration. And that happens. Everyone, everyone gets that from time to time. i reached a point of frustration where I was really just saying to God, Lord, there's more. You've got more. There's got to be more. There's more. And uh, a particular type of fasting that I like is um, what, what I do is, is I skip breakfast. I skip lunch. I have my normal time with God, times with God in the morning. And then at lunchtime, what I do is uh, I go and walk and pray or I go and drive and pray instead of having lunch. And, uh, and then, then in the afternoon, maybe 3 o'clock or something, I'll have some yogurt and fruit, and then I'll eat a normal meal with the family. And there are some things I really like about that fast. That's, 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 that's the kind of fast I do when I reach a point of a long-term something that I want to see shift. Yeah? There's all different types of fasts. Um, I, I was in Bible college with, with, with um, a couple, and the wife's there. You know, um, she discovered something about one of her small kids, and it distressed her greatly. And so this is a different type of fast. So what she did on that occasion is she basically went into mum mode <laughs> and said, the enemy can't have my son. And so she didn't eat or drink for three days. Now, I don't recommend you do that, you know. And you'd really want to know as was God, wouldn't you, if you're not eating or drinking for three days. <laughs> but she wasn't going to have this thing in her house and something just clicked into gear. And so she fasted for that. She fasted food and drink for that three days and God set her son free. God set her son free. And so there's different types of fasts for different things. And with fasting, what you do is you let God draw you in. So I knew, I knew coming into October that that God drew me in, you know? He'd created the frustration. He'd allowed that to be there. And so what you do is you let God draw you in, you know, you kind of resolve with him what are you going to do. And for me, it was that kind of that that kind of long term fast. And then um, let God break the fast. You know? The fast breaks when you see the breakthrough. Or the fast breaks then, then when God comes back and says, it's done. You know? You just know in your heart. And so so that for me works. And 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 I I really like that style of fasting because you can do it a long time. You know, most of us most of us carry a little bit of extra. You know, so if you're only having maybe one or one and a half meals for a day in a day for a time, no one's even going to notice the difference. You know, and then it doesn't impact on family life, and uh, and uh, you know you can live a normal life. And you know, if something comes up where you're meeting someone for lunch that day, well, who cares? You just have a normal lunch that day and whatever. It's just so 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 that's what I do, and I find that really works. So. So that's what I was doing. So in that season, I was doing that. And uh, what I'd do is at lunchtime, I'd go and drive and pray. So, so, so give me a wave if, if you had a call from me while I was out driving and praying with me saying, come on, pray with me, come on, pray with me, come on, pray with me. Yeah, so, so I apologised, but I was in a zone. And uh, yeah, so that's what i do. And towards the end of that fast, I was just in a funny place, you know. Sometimes in a fast, you can get drawn in a bit too deep where you're praying, and you just have to take a bit of a step back and you go, no, no, I'm just going to chill today, you know. I'm not stopping the fast, but I'm just going to just chill. And so this was one of those chill days. And so I was driving around Redcliffe and just, just, just talking to God on this occasion, you know. And I was probably in a bit of a silly mood. It's happened sometimes, you know. So I was probably being a bit cheeky and a bit whatever, a bit, um, uh, I don't know, maybe even a little bit sarcastic in my conversation with God. And there's a point in my drive up at Woody Point, where you look out across the bay. Do you know that point? Yeah, you drive up the hill, and you look right across the bay, and, and I've got a mate who's got a church over in Wynnum, and so I'm thinking about him, and thinking, you know, well, God, you know, why is he there, and why am I here? Is there some something strategic in this, God? What's happening here? And and, and I'd heard a couple of theories about why God's so interested in Redcliffe, and God is interested in Redcliffe. There's been prophetic word after prophetic word about what God is going to do in this place. And I'm sure you've all heard them. You know, you've heard Joan share a word, Marlene, all sorts of other guest speakers we had for a whole year. Every time they came through, like Steve Penny, they were prophesying revival in Redcliffe. So I'm having this conversation with God. And I'd heard some theories about why Redcliffe was so strategic to God and God's plan and all this sort of thing. And so, so I'm driving along, having this conversation with God, probably a little bit tongue-in-cheek, so f- forgive me for that. But having this conversation with God, saying, you know, you know, what is it in this great cosmic scheme of yours, you know, that you're so interested in, in Redcliffe? And he came back and seemed to quite clearly say, because it's lost. And I'm going, what? <laughs> what? 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 I was, I was thinking of some high purpose, you know. And, you know, I'd heard people talk about, you know, these areas across the coast, the gateways to the city and all that sort of thing. And I'm going, well, that's fine if demonic spirits come in in ships and things, but how does that work, you know, for us normally? You you get where I was coming from, yeah? And so I'm, I'm driving along and I'm having this wrestle with God. And the picture I got is that God was so interested in Redcliffe because it was a snapshot of a lost community, that somehow the people in Redcliffe were just lost, that everywhere you turned, you know, you could see this picture of this lost. And so I'm driving along and I'm having this bit of a wrestle now with God. You know, I've gone from being a bit silly to actually wrestling, going, Lord, are you genuinely telling me that the reason you're so interested in Redcliffe is because the people are lost? And it's a snapshot of the people that are lost. And Amy, can we throw up that picture? And this was the very next car I drove past. Can you guys see that? I don't know if you can see that picture. This, this was literally the next car I drove past. For those who can't see it, it's a bit, it's a bit dark there. The number plate says, I'm lost. The number plate says, I'm lost. So so, so it, it was so impacting. I, I, think I, I think I ran Kerry. I think I ran Kerry. I said, Kerry, Kerry, God's speaking to me. And, uh, and, and then I thought, well, it's probably a good sermon point. So I better go back and drive back and hopefully the car will still be there and I can take a picture. Yeah. So God was saying, he's so interested in Redcliffe because they're lost. Now, all of a sudden, at that moment, we get to engage with God. Yeah. Because what's he come to do? He's come to seek and save the lost. So what better place for him to turn up than Redcliffe? if it's a picture of the lost? Yeah. So what do the lost look like? How do, you, how do you know? How do you know? You know? You might be sitting there going, well, who's lost? You know, yeah? Well, it's really easy. Go and sit on those chairs just in front of Woolworths where everyone's walking into the shops. And, you, you know, and most of the people walking into the Woolies at Redcliffe, you can look at them and go, I think you are lost, mate. I think you are lost, you know. And it's it's not that they're good and they're bad. It's not, that, you know what I mean? It's not, you know, it's just that they've been on a journey where they've made decisions that have left them in this place that hasn't left them in a good spot, yeah. And just in case you're wondering, just in case you go down to the Redcliffe uh, Dolphins, the Dolphins coals. yeah, yeah. Don't be fooled, yeah? The, the people walking into Coles there might be better dressed, yeah? They might be better dressed, but so many of them are lost. The clothes are just the front, you know? And uh, and I hope I can say this. You know, when I drive and pray, and I did that pretty much every day for two months, you know, I'd get around to Newport, and you're driving through Really nice homes, cars, jet skis, all those things, all the boats tied up to the backs of houses. And it was like a sadness had come upon me. And I'm going, oh, God. You know, lots of people I see walking to Woolies, they're lost, but they know they're lost. Or they know there's a problem, whereas these guys are lost and they don't even know that they're lost. Yeah. So he's come to seek and save the lost. So, I'd like to shift gears for a little bit. So the gospel has lost none of its power to save because this shepherd who pursues the lost sheep is unchangeable. Does that make sense? And so to really understand the story of Zacchaeus that we read before, we need to look at the, the theme that Luke is developing there. Luke is very strategic in his gospel. It's amazing. If you can get a good commentary on Luke, it's just phenomenal the way he develops an argument. you know. And he's always doing something. He, he, never, has, he never has a story that isn't, that's just random. He's always got a, an argument that he's developing. And in the story of Zacchaeus, he's making a really big point. Now, what had just happened before that is that Jesus had been going through, this, through the towns... And this is towards the end of Jesus' ministry. And the rich young ruler had, had come up to Jesus. And um, I'm sure many of you would know that story, the story of the rich young ruler, yeah? And he comes running up to Jesus and says, you know, good teacher, you know, what must I do to get saved? And there's this bit of backwards and forwards, and you know, I've, I've, kept, I've kept the law, I've kept the commandments all my life, yeah, you know, what do I do, you know? And, and the outcome isn't good there, is it, you know? And Jesus says, "Well, well, maybe, mate, you should go and do these things, you know? And he, he says, oh, that's a bit hard, and goes away. And, and I'll just read you the words of the interaction that happened after that. You know, Jesus then said at heart, says, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those, those who heard this asked, and we assume this is the disciples. Yeah. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Who can be who, Lord, this is too hard. Well, who then can be saved? And Jesus comes back, what is impossible with man is possible with God. So, so did you get the picture? Yeah? So, so the disciples are in this place where they're going, Jesus is setting us up here to fail. He's giving us this task to go through the world and see the lost saved. And now he's telling us that it's going to be easier for this guy to go through the eye of a needle, you know, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than this guy to be saved, yeah? And so, 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 so they, they've got that sitting on them. They, and, 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 and I guess where I'm going with this is we can have that sitting on us where we think, Lord, getting people saved is too hard. It's too hard. It's just too hard, Lord. Lord, Lord, Lord you've sent us out here to make disciples. You've sent us out to reach the lost. But you, you've almost set us up to fail because you, you've, you've given us this task that is just so hard. We can get in that kind of mindset, yeah? And so, so what happens then is they then walk into Jericho. The very next thing, they walk into Jericho. And here's Zacchaeus, yeah? Now, you, you know how, like, at year 12 and whatever, you know, kind of joking, you know, it might be the teachers will have a vote or the students might have a vote, you know, who's most likely to, to succeed in life? You know, you kind, of, you kind of hear those kind of surveys. You know, who's, who's the one? Who's the one who's most likely, you know, who's, who's going to whatever, you know, so they'll do kind of a survey. Well, well. If you had to run through Jericho and done a survey and said, who's the least likely person to get saved in, in Jericho? Yeah? The, the, strong vote would have been, the strong vote would have been Zacchaeus. Yeah? And and it's interesting, isn't it? Because just like the rich young ruler, this guy was actually rich, or at least wealthy. So he's in the very category that Jesus is saying, no, no, this, this guy's gonna find it hard to get saved. Yeah? So he's the right smack back in that category. And at least with a rich young ruler, like he was trying to do the right thing. He was putting on all the appearance of being engaged here, saying, Lord, I'm partnering with you here. You know, just tell me, just tell me, just tell me. Yeah? <laughs> Whereas Zacchaeus, he was just wanting to see what was happening, you know? And, uh, and probably if, if we, we, won't, we won't do a character assassination on Zacchaeus, but from the scripture it seems that he was probably a lying, thieving, narcissist yeah <laughs> and here he doesn't just get saved but he gets gloriously saved yeah so you've got jesus there saying oh my goodness this son of abraham here he is the son of man has come to seek and save the lost so can you see how how this is luke how luke's setting in an argument here the disciples coming going in. You now this is also too hard and then this, then this happens right in front of them, and they're obviously the mind shift would have to have been, if Zacchaeus can get saved, then anyone can get saved." And of course that was Jesus' point, wasn't it? You know, that salvation doesn't hang on us and what we do. Salvation hangs on the power of the gospel, and it's the power of the gospel. It's the power of, It's the message that we carry that's full of power and life, because it's the message of the Son. It's, it's, not, it's not somehow. If we get it right, if we can somehow negotiate some special argument with this person. Yeah. So, I believe in all of this. We're, we're, in a, we're in a day that is new and is different. Clearly, clearly we're in a change of seasons. You know, we don't even know if we're going to be able to have church here next Sunday. You know, clearly God's put a stop to what we've been doing in the past and said, enough of that, sick of that. But he doesn't shut something down unless he's going to open something new. And something better. And so it just makes sense to me that in this new season, we're going to see the great shepherd harvesting souls. Yeah. And it's going to be different. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're in the place that the disciples were before they hit Jericho, where you're going, no, this is just too hard. I'm not even going to talk to people about Jesus because I've been hurt in the past and rejected and all the rest of it. Yeah. Can you pack that up and go... That's last season. Yeah? That's not new season. That's not this season to come. That's not where we are at now. Yeah? And so I just got a couple of pictures about what I believe the new season is going to look like. Now, um, Helen's our gardener at home. I'm not a, I'm not a gardener. Um, when, when we planted our, our garden, um, I had a little bit there where I put in some fruit trees. And I don't know whether you know, like when you, when you when you first buy fruit trees, often they come with fruit on them. And I don't know what they do to especially get the fruit happening or whatever, maybe that I don't know anyway, so so theres trees in there, and this little mandarin tree produced this one mandarin, but it was huge, it was you know fantastic, and it was on the tree when I planted it, you know and and I remember going up to it you know because I because I was very proud of this, you know, I was very proud of this mandarin and uh and I remember watching it, watching it, watching it, watching it, watching it, and thinking, oh, I think it's ripe, you know I think I think it's ready to pick and and, and I virtually hadn't got my fingers around the mandarin, and it just came off in my hand, you know. It was ripe. It was ready. It was there. And, you know, there was no pulling, no tugging, no breaking the stalk or anything. It was just, oh, there it is. And I believe that's a picture of this season we're coming into. God's going to make people ready, and it's going to be easy. It's just going to be there. He just needs our partnering with him. Um, Facebook. Now I'm, I'm not a big fan of Facebook, and look, I apologise if, uh, if if you put stuff on Facebook and I don't always respond. I'm not I'm not a big Facebook person, um, but I do check Facebook every now and then. And uh, and this week, as I'm watching my feed came through, um, and and I do I get drawn into some of the videos, like the videos of people making timber things and wood turning, and you know, and th- this one was a video of harvesting an olive tree. Um, I don't know whether you've ever seen people harvesting an olive tree. Um, we, 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 uh, we had the opportunity with the Israel trip last year just to duck into Greece on the way back. And uh, one of the days we were driving through uh, Greece, we ended up getting a flat tyre. And so we parked up in front of a uh, restaurant and um, had lunch while we were waiting for the NRMA or RACQ or whoever they are over in Greece to come and uh, tow the car and sort us out. And so I'm talking to the owner of the restaurant. And, and over there, they have to have multiple jobs. They can't just do one thing because they're seasonal. And so, so he had the restaurant that was running through summer. They had some accommodation that they ran through summer. And then through the rest of the year, he was olive farmer, an olive tree farmer. And, of course, everywhere you go in, in Greece, there's olive trees everywhere. And so I'm looking at these olive trees, and, like, they're not big. The olives are little. And so in my mind, I'm trying to go, well, how do you harvest – how do you harvest – Olive trees. I mean, you couldn't sit there and pick them. You know, you'd, you'd, you'd work all day and you'd have a bucket of them, you'd, you know? And so I'm talking to him. So his English was okay. And I'm talking to him saying, how do you harvest olive trees? And uh, he told me, well, we've got this special machine. And it sounded like it was a bit like a snipper. And on the whippersnipper, it had two rubber corkscrews. And so what they do is they'd, they'd, put, they'd put it up on the branch and have these corkscrews spinning. And then they'd pull it down the branch and they'd have a tarp underneath the tree so that, so that the ripe ones would come off and fall to the ground. Yeah. Okay. So, but he said to me, he said to me, but it's so hard on your arms. It's so hard. It's so hard to do. It's so hard to do. And I'm going, yeah, I can imagine that. That would be really, really hard to do. Yeah. Well, I'm, watch- I'm watching Facebook this week and the video came on and it was this machine that harvested olive trees. And basically the machine drove up to the drove up to the olive tree, it spread out like an umbrella under the tree, like a big canvas umbrella, yeah? And then it grabbed the tree and it shook it. Yeah. Have have you seen those videos? Yeah. And you just see all these olives that are ripe just fall. They fall into the canopy, they go into the bucket. Yeah? Okay. Those two pictures are last season, new season. Yeah? Yeah. Last season, the farmer, yeah. You can imagine how tired his arms got even after it's a little while of harvesting like that. Yeah? Yeah? Whereas the new season, he's just sitting, I don't know that it was an air-conditioned cabin, but anyway, he's just sitting on his tractor, drives up, and it just does it all. All he had to do was have the bucket there to catch the harvest. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so, would you agree that right now, God is either shaking the world, or he's allowing the world to be shaken? Yeah? Is that reasonable? Yeah. So doesn't it make sense then that this is the farmer causing that ripe fruit to fall? Yeah? And, and I imagine that with the olive tree that the guy probably comes through and does it, leaves it for two weeks or something and then comes through again and by that stage the, the ones that weren't ripe the first time have now ripened. Yeah? Does that make sense? So we're probably going to have ongoing shaking of the world. Now, This is my encouragement to you. As you see the world being shaken, yeah, don't be anxious or concerned. Yeah? As you see the world being shaken, say, quick, grab my bucket. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. Okay. And the ones that are going to fall from the tree are the ripe ones, the ones that are sweet and juicy and ready. You all get that picture, don't you? Yeah, so it's a new day, a new season. Yeah, if you've struggled with the whole thing of salvation and seeing people saved, (laughs) well, I believe in the new season, all you're going to need is the bucket. All you're going to need is the bucket. All you're going to need is the bucket. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to read that scripture again. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to who? To everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. So it's only a relatively short message, but God's speaking to us. He's speaking to us about Redcliffe, He's speaking to us about our church, He's speaking to us about the new season. You know, jo- Joan, 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 um, um, Joan Moore was in the prayer meeting yesterday and she's prophesying this picture how she can see this super ripe fruit and she's prophesying. Well, James was here. She's prophesying and saying, No more is going to be hard. You know, we're we going to be trying to rip the fruit off the tree. You know, you'll barely have your hands around it and just a tiny tap and it'll be in your hand. And, and I had to shut it down saying, Joan, that's my servant. Stop, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. No, I, di- I didn't shut it down. I did. But I do want us to pray. Because there's a bit of a partnership in this, you know? You know, the the enemy in the last season had us a bit bound. He had us a bit bound with the mindset of saying, this is all too hard. And he had our feet a bit shackled, saying, well, I've tried this before and all I got was burned when I talked to people about Jesus. So today I believe as we pray that there's going to be some yokes and shackles broken off, you know, that that mindset's going to come. And of course, you know, you only need need your first bucket load of olives And you're ready to go, aren't you? You know? You know? You're ready for the next bucket. Yeah. So if the band could come back up, Jono, yeah, great. So it's just a short message, but it just gives us more time to fellowship at the end. And I do want to thank you so much for coming out today. And I haven't counted the numbers, but we're probably about 70, we're probably about at our, our limit, probably about at what we're allowed to have. And, uh, And just on that, if you're a senior, you don't need to book. You don't need to book. You just need to come. We've already got booking allocated for all our seniors. Um, If you're not a senior, um, if you could please book so that we can basically coordinate numbers like we've done today so so that we're complying with the regulations and we want to do that. But I do now really want us to pray that we'll be able to partner with what God's doing. So Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. And Lord, you're the great shepherd. You've come to seek and save the lost. And Father, it must be. It must be, Lord, that the great masses of the earth are looking at what's happening in the world today and wondering what's happening. Well, Father, we're asking, you planted us in Redcliffe. We're asking as people in Redcliffe, Father, uh, asking that question, that Lord, that their hearts and minds would turn to you. That Father, that they would open their hearts to you that, Father, that these ones that are lost would be found in Jesus' name. And, Father, as a church, Lord, we're a bucket. Lord, we're a bucket to catch, to catch the falling fruit. Father, um, as we go about our daily routine, Lord, as we're in the shops, as we're in our workplaces, as we're interacting with people in the community, Father, Lord, you've made us to be instruments in your hand. So, Father, help us to have the eyes Lord, that mandarin that came on that little tree, I watched it. I watched it and I kind of knew that it was ready. It just looked ripe. Well, Father, as a church, give us eyes to see what you're doing in our community. Give us eyes, Lord, to just know when the fruit is ripe, that we can just get alongside these ones in our community with a, a word in season. And just to say, well, you know, you know, you might be feeling a bit shaken, but you know what? We know someone who is unshakable. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. And if there's anyone here today, Lord, who is feeling a little unsettled, Lord, with world events and the shaking that's been taking place, Lord, let them look with new eyes at the shaking. Let it be that even excitement rises when they see shaking, saying, Here's some more olives, they're going to fall. I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, we're looking for a great harvest, Father. You're raising up a highway that many can come unto You. We're calling out, Father, even in our community, we're we planted the sons and daughters to assemble before You, the sons and daughters of God. So let them come. Let them find a path. Let it be easy to come unto You. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yeah. And we do have to ask just because we do. You know, if you're here today and you're saying, well, I don't really know what it is to be a son or daughter of God. I don't know whether I'm lost or whether I'm found. I don't even know where I am or who we, how I am. But I do know that I want this Jesus. I do know that I want my life standing on someone who is unshakable, on the rock of Christ. So if that's you today, we are going to give you an opportunity just to receive him for yourself. But I am going to ask you to be brave and just give me a wave. If that's you today and you're here and you would like him, I'm just going to lead you in just a simple prayer to receive Him for yourself. And we're not going to labour it. You know, we do this pretty much every, every Sunday. So it doesn't have to be this Sunday. But if that's you here today and you can feel the Holy Spirit moving on your heart and you'd like to do that, I just want to give you that opportunity now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, Father, I pray over this congregation. Lord, let them all be harvesters. Lord, there are ones here that I believe will be driving the tractors. Lord, as you shake the tree, they'll be catching great bucketfuls. Others, Lord, are going to be coming after the the tractors gone, saying, I'm going to pick these ones up because none are going to be missed, none are going to be lost. (laughs) Others are just going to have their own bucket and they're going to see a branch that's ripe and give it a shake and say, these ones are mine. These ones are mine. These ones are mine. These sons and daughters are mine to look after and to care for. And so, Father... Help us to transition into this new season. Let it be, Father, that none of those sons and daughters that you have ordained for salvation, Lord, through us, through this house, would be lost. But every one of them, Father, would be found and saved and founded on you, immovable, that there'd be none left to rot, Father. Let it be, Father, that we can put systems in place, Lord, to manage, Father, what you're going to do But most of all, Lord, move upon our heart that we are changed, that we can flow in this new season. Bless each one that's here today. Lord, those ones who are doing it a bit of tough, Lord, there's a couple in hospital, Lord, that we know of. Those ones that are doing it in touch, Father, touch them. Stretch forth your hand to touch them even now as we're praying. For those ones that are at home, that, Father, that they would sense your Spirit ministering to them even now as we pray. Bless each one. Protect each one prosper each one. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.